0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Secret Stories from the Underground. Today we have legendary actress Kay Callen stopping by to talk to Dean and I about some of the fun things that's coming up in the Superman world. She is from uh, the TV show Lois and Clark. She's also done things like uh, All in the Family, legendary tv show she's done so much she's a legend and uh, we really enjoyed our conversation with her we can't wait for you guys to hear this interview it all goes down right now but please like follow subscribe to this podcast so you never miss out on all the great interviews that we have coming up we got some great stuff coming up for you guys and uh, this is just one of many great interviews that we have So um, that's enough. Here it is. Our interview with Kay Callen.
1: I am. I am. And so you are, too, it seems. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, things are fine. Awesome. I got my co-host Dean here. How you doing? Hey, Dean. Hello. Hi.
2: Where are you coming from today?
1: I'm in Los Angeles. Where are you? We're in Omaha,
2: Nebraska right now.
1: You know, I have relatives, well, they're not there anymore, who were in Fremont. Okay, yeah, Yeah, we know the area. My four mothers and fathers all came from Nebraska, Valentine, Gordon, and Fremont. Oh, really?
2: Yeah, we know all the Marys, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I haven't been there in a thousand years, so it would be fun to go back and see if it's anything like what I remember from my, like, you know, 15-year-old self or however old I was.
2: There's not a whole lot that changes here. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like to keep things the same.
1: Well, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, uh, what have you been up to? You staying busy or?
1: Yes, I'm always busy, no matter what is going on. There aren't enough hours in the day. Sometimes I'm just staying busy, not doing what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Is is that getting into trouble? Well, I'm working on a a new edition of one of my books. And so um, whenever I'm not doing it, I'm guilty. You know, I should be in there at the computer. But then also I'm a member of the Motion Picture Academy and I've been judging the short films. I had like 76 short films to see over the past few weeks. And I, I thought I was finished. Last week, they, uh, they sent a letter and said, You only have until the 29th or the 30th or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, well, mine are all in. And if they're not, let me know. And then they wrote back and they said, There's 26 missing. <laughs> 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 so I had the most wonderful time. Oh my gosh, I saw, I'm so grateful and privileged to get to see these films. Some of them just knocked me out, particularly the documentaries, which are usually just boring or just so sad that you don't even want to watch them, you know, yeah. but these were so good, all of them. I they're they're international. So there were some from Belgium and Germany and you know all over the place, plus domestically.
3: Nice. I love documentaries. So yeah, that that would well, interest us. Well yeah, and guys. these
1: these were amazing. There was one that was called Silicon Valley, not spelled like we spell Silicon because it was in, I don't know, Afghanistan or someplace like that. Mm -hmm. And it was this place where they were teaching kids to code like in, you know, far off whatever's, you know, and, and teaching them a skill so that they could then, you know, have a life and so forth. It was fabulous. And then another one, where, where I can't remember the name of it, but it was in an, this one, the second one I remember really was in Afghanistan in a mountain community. And it starts off with pictures of Kobe Bryant and stuff. And these kids are way into basketball and there's this fabulous man who's like teaching all these kids basketball and they're playing with like terrible equipment and whatever, but the difference it's making in their lives, it was very exciting. Wow. Yeah. So
2: how did you get to be a part of the academy there?
1: Uh, well, because I'm so amazing. Why else? Uh, <laughs> oh, <there you> <laughs> I, love, I love that answer. That is <laughs> uh, Well, you know, it was a long time ago uh, when I was a much younger actress and, um, and somebody proposed me for membership to the Academy. And uh, I had had a lot of films during that time. I don't know what the rules are now, but you have to have done maybe it's five films in two years and they have to be scripted part and then two dip two members of the academy must assign a card for you and then it goes into the membership committee and they make a determination and I was just sure I would never get in I wouldn't even have asked anybody and a friend of mine said no you should do it and he signed it and gave the card to somebody else and then I got in and I was oh my gosh it's it's one of my great joys, and not just because you get all the screeners and stuff, but you get to see so much stuff. I also judge the Nichols uh, Script Writing Contest, which is the most prestigious, largest script writing contest in the world, and uh, get to read all kinds of interesting scripts. So, so anyway, it's, it's lovely. You know, I, I, I appreciate the Academy so much.
3: So when you have that many short films to watch, like by number 60, do you start to feel like a little burnout on it?
1: Well, I don't watch them all. I mean, yesterday I watched a whole lot in one day, but the others, you know, I had. I was thinking I had all this time and that I was done. (laughs) I watched those, you know, over a period and then they're, you know, the longest ones are like 32 minutes and then some of them are animation and are like three minutes or eight minutes or 10 minutes, you know, so it's not, 76 times 2 hours or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love movies. I really love movies. I don't like bad movies, but good movies, you know, I think I could just do it forever all the time. I should have been a critic. <laughs> so so in your opinion,
2: how do you make a good movie in 32 minutes?
1: Listen, I have seen did you see that that series um I'm trying to, trying to remember what the name of of that thing was that um the five-minute series they did a couple of years ago that now are on Hulu?
3: Oh, the um, Quibi or something. Like that. Yes,
1: Quibi. Now, yeah. now my favorite one, I didn't really watch much more, but I'm also a member of the Television Academy, so I see all the Television Academy stuff. So a couple of years ago, when that show was happening and no one was watching it, you know, they submitted some things for consideration, and I watched this fabulous series with Anna Kendrick called Dummy. And they're five minutes, five minute episodes. And you can't believe that it feels like you've seen a whole half hour or an hour or something because there's just so much in it and it happens so quickly and it was so good. And if you have a chance, if you have a Hulu, which is where it is now, do look at Dummy because it's so clever, funny, and interesting. I, I have
3: heard some good things about that. And, you know, I do think that some of that is the people not being able to wrap their mind around the idea of, being able to get invested into a show that is that short.
1: Well, with, with everybody zooming these days, you can just see the whole season in like an hour or something like that. So why not?
2: (laughs) Did you ever imagine that we would have that kind of technology when oh, you good. first started in the business,
1: oh heavens! I didn't even think I couldn't even spell technology. Not that I wasn't <laughs> not that I wasn't already really old, but you know, I was just thinking about acting and I started out, you know, a theater actor and so forth. I never even thought these things as far as technology is concerned. Uh, I'm an old person, but I was an early adapter because my son is in information technology, and so back in Well, I mean, in 85 is the copyright date for my first book. And so I must have started it two or three years before that. And I wrote that on a computer and was, and I taught myself how I had bought myself, um, my son telling me what to get, a Tandy, one of those Tandy computers that had, well, you're probably too young to even know what that is from Radio Shack. And there was like a, there was like the, the brain and then there was like a screen and I got there were um, audio tapes with it and I would hear the audio tape and I would learn how to do it and I would follow the directions. And the, the most frightening part was trying to stop because, you know, you couldn't just say goodbye to it. You know, you had to turn it off and I was always terrified that I was going to somehow ruin it, which you couldn't, but I just remember. But anyway, you know, so I did those, that first book uh, and I actually, a friends of mine got it to, uh, publishers. And they said, we really like this, but it's too small a niche for us. And my friend said, well, what should she do? And they said, well, she should publish it herself. And so I was like, I was so happy because I had all this information in the books that were, was getting cold. I wrote a book about how to get agents and what agents wanted and what you should look for. And I interviewed all these agents in, I guess, just LA, the first book, and asked them how they got to be agents and what they looked for and blah, 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 blah. And so then that meant that I delivered the book camera-ready, which meant I had to do the whole thing on my computer. And I had a, um, an index where every time this agent's name was mentioned, you know, you'd know, you be able to go in the back and see you know, Martin Gage or whoever it was and whatever pages, and you'd go see all the things he said. But I, if they had a sorting option at that time, I didn't know about it. So I had to go through and painstakingly write down every page that this person's name was on and then you know we we, i remember a friend of mine helped me and we printed we printed up the the name with the however many pages beside We pick we we printed a page like that and then we cut out those names and then reassembled them alphabetically so that i could type them and put them together It's what a amazing. process <laughs> yeah. it was well you know remember what was that what was that movie um about uh, i think ben affleck was in it and it was about the the embassy in some place that was being it was a yes yes and remember they had shredded everything and then they got all those chinese to sit there and paste them back together you remember yeah. that scene that made me nostalgic for when I was doing <laughs> my book?
3: <laughs> kind of feel their pain a little, huh?
1: <laughs> well, there are zillions of them. <laughs> so how did you all start doing this? You're in Omaha.
2: Yeah, we're in Omaha. We, we like to... inspire to do better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we inspire we to do better, bigger things. <laughs> uh, yeah, we... I, we both are in entertainment. We both played a band. Uh, we're comedians. So, uh, of course, we have a podcast on top of it. Who doesn't well, have Yeah, to? but
1: you're doing it from Omaha. My kids, um, my daughters had a band from when they were in college and still do and still play and stuff. So I'm, I'm familiar with whatever that whole stuff is like. And, of course, being a comedian is just like being an actor. And, of course, it's a lot easier now, I'm sure, in Omaha than it used to be, speaking of technology.
2: Yes. Uh, it, <laughs> Technology it, it, helps. It, it is. But the bad part is you still live in Omaha. That's why we're trying to move. <laughs> LA.
1: When are you well, coming?
2: Uh, hopefully soon. We're we're trying to figure it out. It's a big move. It's a big process. So, uh, you know, we take care of our dad and, uh, you know, we oh, got a yeah. space for him to be able to live with us and the housing market out there is a little different from where we live. <laughs> oh so,
1: boy, so yeah, we're giving sometimes.
3: up space to move there. You know, it's hard. You Give know? up space to pay more money, and <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I was just reading it. not actually, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, an Ezra Klein from the New York Times podcast with some woman. Uh, it's just terrible. I'm not saying her name, but they were really talking about the homeless situation, and they were discussing how in the blue states, the housing was worse than any place else. And that part of it, Ezra was making the the point that the liberals just weren't, you know, the rich liberals were keeping everybody out, you know, and they, you know, for instance, in Venice, evidently they're in, you know, Venice, California, they have had many options for putting the homeless people. They had you know, places where they were going to put up many houses or whatever all those things were. And then everybody out there who doesn't want the homeless there was like, well, no, you can't put those right here, you know? <laughs> and so it's really interesting to hear about a lot of the problems that you know, dealing with the homelessness that nobody ever really thinks of or hears about.
2: Yeah. You guys got an issue out there for well, sure. Well, it's, I mean, it's
1: not just us. You know, they said that The cities with the biggest... Oh, and this was going to be my point, which I totally forgot. The cities with the biggest issues are the cities where everybody wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, Definitely.
2: That was what I was going to get ready to say is, really, we don't have a huge homeless population here. And, uh, (laughs) well, I'll give it... Probably has something to do with the people that have houses don't even want to live here. (laughs) So, you know, they they move further west, you know, or they, they move down to the south
1: and...
3: Uh, it is worse here than what I think people think. Uh, they do a little bit better job of hiding it
1: here. Uh, yeah. It, Impossible to hide when you're in the communication center of the world. Right. right
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do, now
2: I don't know how it works because, you know, I'm not in the acting business, but when they do film a movie out there, how do they control the the homeless population being in the background or
1: well, they either pay to get them away. I don't know. I'm just making this up. Or they, they don't. I don't think they're going to try and shoot on Venice Beach, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. They, they know where not to shoot. And I'm uh, sure they go in and try to, you know, hey, give them some money. You, they'd be happy to get some money and go do something, you know, go someplace, maybe get some food. Uh, but just like I, I saw this morning, actually, on our news here in front of um, the. Grauman's Chinese and the whole place where, you know, where the Oscars are on, on Hollywood between Highland and Orange, it was all closed off because they're shooting something. And, and they just showed uh, from, the, from a drone or from the helicopter, I guess it was, this terrible thing where all these cars and crashes and stuff all over the place. It was so interesting. And, you know, if you were down there on the street, you know, you'd just be like, wow, this is so cool. I just love that I'm seeing this.
3: Yeah, now I have a, a friend from there uh, who watched um, out her uh, car window. I watched the airplane um, smash into a hangar right there, um, right by the Air Force Base. Apparently, she was right off the expressway there. And uh, there was a plane crashed into the hangar, empty hangar. And nobody ended up injured or anything else, but uh, sure scared the hell out of her.
1: I would think so. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't want to know about, I wouldn't want to be on the highway because I probably hit somebody trying to watch it. You know? Oh, <laughs> she,
3: she said at first that she thought it was coming right for the highway that it was, and it, then it just, it smacked into the hangar right there on the side of the side of the road.
1: Wow. Where was it?
3: Um, it not too far out of, I'm trying to think of what base it was by there um, because she, she lived right there in LA. Um,
1: Did you say an air force base?
3: yeah it's a, I believe so. yeah, I believe it's Air Force.
1: Well, there's I don't think there's not an Air Force base in LA, but there's like the whole veterans complex there uh, off of the 405 where you know there's a whole big property for the Veterans administration and lots of houses and things. Maybe that was some kind of something. I can't not think moving. of anything else unless you go south a little bit.
2: How long have you been out in LA or did you grow up in California?
1: No, I grew up in Texas, and I went from Texas uh, to Oklahoma. At one point, I was married, and my uh, ex-husband was getting an advanced degree there, and then the marriage broke up there, and then I said, oh, well, shall I stay in Norman, Oklahoma? No, I'll go back to that. No, I'm just going to do what I was going to do in the first place. So I took my kids and went to New York and started my career at a late age.
3: So you got your first acting gig in Texas, is that correct?
1: I did, because uh, there was, a, there was a, a television series called Route 66 that was shooting there, and I was always avidly reading the newspaper to try and see, you know, is there anything? And I saw they were looking for whatever they were looking for, and I went down and auditioned, and I got it. It was really thrilling. Very nice.
3: So, was there a lot going on like for uh, for film and things like that, or for TV going on in that area at that time?
1: No, this was back, you know, in the you know, horse and buggy days. This was a long time ago. (laughs) But here's what's interesting about all this is that, you know, I I always knew I wanted to act and I couldn't figure out, you know, how you would get a job, which is ultimately how I ended up writing all these books about how you actually get work in the business, not how to write, direct, direct, or act, but how to, you know, transfer that into gainful employment. And so I was trying to figure this out. And so I was a big fan of MGM and Betty Grable movies And I wrote letters to several of my idols at MGM. And I can't remember who else, but I know I wrote to Marge and gower Champion, who you don't know about, but they were in MGM movies. And I, I wrote, I think, three. And all three wrote me back handwritten letters. It was so wonderful. And I had said, you know, how would I get it? How do you get a job in the business? And they all said the same thing. They all said, do whatever you can in Dallas before you leave, you know, sing at the Lions Club, you know, you know, do whatever you can do before you assault, you know, the big marketplace. And so I did just that. And there were there were not a lot of things. And it was a non-union town. But there there were film companies. I don't know how I was smart enough to know to call a film company. Company, But I called, I guess I looked in the phone book and and saw film companies and called and said, do you do commercials? And well, then how do you and, you know, got in touch with casting people. So I did that. And then I worked the conventions that came to town and I worked the automobile show. I was one of the women who stand by the cars, (laughs) point to the cars. Uh, You know, anything you could do. I remember one of the jobs I had, Polaroid, it was some kind of convention. And Polaroid needed somebody uh, to the first time uh, that I worked for them, uh, there were two of us, and we had to learn this little skit and dress in like outer space costumes and then uh, dance and sing, but we didn't make any noise. Uh, Because the people picked up something and they heard what we were saying. And but, you know, you walked by and you just saw us not making any noise and you didn't know how what was going on. And we had little earpieces in our ears. And then ultimately they hired me. You know, they would send all the cameras and all the all the film and I would go in and I would set them up and I would set up the booth and then people would come and, you know, you would take pictures with them and give them a the picture and all that. You know, all kinds of things that beginning actors and people, you know, who are in the business, just anything that you can make money that you can pretend you're acting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's cool. Uh, I remember them old Polaroid cameras were uh, I ain't thought
1: about Polaroid in a minute. Some- oh, yeah, it was really it was really fun because Polaroid was like a big deal then. And people didn't most people didn't have Polaroid cameras. So when they came through and you took pictures of them together or you'd take a picture with them or something, that was something fun for them to take home.
3: Well, it's funny is that that stuff is, you know, that's coming back again. Yeah, and that, like uh, my kids got Polaroid cameras and, they you know, they have Phones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. <So. laughs> well, but the Polaroids are tiny, right? Aren't they tiny pictures and not like no, two no. By these four? ones,
3: these ones are the like regular size, old school Polaroid.
1: Wow! Wow! That's kind of fun. Oh, I'm sure. I thought it was really thrilling. And of course, they're just bored with iPhones.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my kids can't go anywhere without theirs. They, they got that glued to them. So, how many
1: kids do you have?
2: I got two uh, boys, and Dean has two girls. So.
1: Now, are you brothers?
2: Yep. Yes.
1: Yep. Oh, so, so this is a fabulous family situation. But then you have how many people do you have to move out here? Uh, well, we're only moving the ones that we care about. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. Danny has a family of four, I have a family of four, and then we you we've got, got your dad. Our, our dad and yeah. we got to try rope our mom. Yeah, still trying to squeeze her and making the move to so. <laughs> Wow. 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 Well, so
1: have you are you have you made inroads? Do you know where you where there might be something you could afford for all these many people? What areas are you looking at?
3: Uh we've been looking in the Orange Orange County area. We're looking uh I'd like
1: to stay in the Anaheim area. Kinda. Why? Why Anaheim? Why not Santa Clarita, where there's a lot of um, production places up there?
2: I, uh, I I don't want to be productive. I just want to sit on my bed <laughs> and uh, drink a drink a Bloody Mary while I talk to <laughs> talk
1: to famous people. <laughs> well, there'll be a lot of famous people up there shooting. You
2: know?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, an area. That's an area that's more reasonable, and there's you know, it's it's not as hard. I think I think. I could be making this up. I think the traffic's easier getting in and out of the city from Santa Clarita than from Anaheim. Oh, really? Well, that's what I think because I'm in the Valley. And so it's not that far from me.
2: (laughs) I guess Anaheim kind of, I'm sold on that. I'm a big sports fan. So you want to be,
1: you want to go to Disneyland? Is that it? Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I get bored on the weekends sometimes and yeah. it seems like a good way to kill my time.
1: Well, you so, get bored in Omaha, you're not going to get bored in Los Angeles.
2: <laughs> that's why I love it that's, there. It, it is one of my favorite places in the
1: world. It's, yeah. It's well, I don't know gone. I don't know what prices are like in Anaheim. Maybe there's reasonable stuff there. Yeah, it's not too bad. None it of it seems reasonable to me, but yeah. I <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. I remember when I came here, uh, which was in 1976, which is a thousand years ago. And it was, um, and of course I had, I had a a very low rent in New York because when I first got there and had nothing, uh, I was able to get middle income, a middle income co-op, which you could, um, you could get into for like $3,000 or something. But then at the end of your run there... You have to sell it back for $3,000, which was fine with me. But my rent wasn't that much. And so then when I moved here and I just rented the house that I now own, it was like three times what I had paid in New York. And I'm like, oh, my God, how will I ever afford that?
2: Have you lived in that same house since you've been in L.A.? I I have. Wow. Wow. That's a long time.
1: It is a long time, and it's, I love it so much. I'm so grateful that I found this when I did. I didn't know much about the city. I, I came to town that summer just to see what it was like and if I could get any work, and I worked on um, I worked for Norman Lear. I, I guess the first job I got was one day at a time. And so I was staying at the Montecito Hotel, which was a hotel – where a lot of New York actors used to stay because they just did. It was over in Hollywood, by by Hollywood and Highland. And um, and the the maid short-sheeted my bed all the time. (laughs) I was really unhappy. And the guy I was working with, I was complaining to him, and he said, oh, I have a friend who has a guest house if you want to try and rent that. And I'm like, oh, my God, that would be great. And she was over here in the valley. She was in North Hollywood. I'm in Sherman Oaks, which is, you know, like a couple of miles away. And so I rented that. And so when I started actually looking for a place for me, I was already introduced to the Valley and thought it was great and didn't know that everybody else thinks that the Valley as though it's Queens, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine with us. We're very happy over here. We don't need any more people to come over here. And and so I've been very happy here. Uh, It's just been the best. That's awesome. so what year did you get the, uh,
2: the adventures of Lois and Clark?
1: About 25 years ago. I, I should actually know that year. And I'd have to look up on IMDb to find out for sure. Uh, but it was a long time ago. Um, well, maybe it was even more, because I think it's been 25 years since it's over. And, and we ran for three years. Um, but that was just the, the most fun thing. The parts of being Ma Kent, we were just supposed to be in the pilot but it was such an adorable scene uh of oh, many of the scenes but i think the scene because when they took the reel around to try and sell it and they had you know scenes that they had done i don't know whether you ever saw the show um but I, I, this, I, pardon
3: i i've seen it yeah
1: all right well so it's the scene it was the scene where i make making a superman outfit And and that was so clever. And, you know, where I get to, you know, we're admiring it. And he says, I don't know. And I say, nobody's going to be looking at your face. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. But anyway, they came back and they hired Eddie and I to do 7 out of 10, which was just great. And when Deborah Joy Levine was writing it, she wrote us just such, particularly my character, because nobody ever writes for the mom. It was always for the dad or for us, you know, just the scenery in the background. And she wrote such great stuff for us. But then she left the show after the second year uh, and then they just kind of wrote lines and split them up between us and we didn't have nearly the fun that we had had before.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, that's a pretty cool role though. You got to be Superman's mom like that.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, and in the pilot, uh, we didn't actually get to shoot this because we ran out of time and money. But in the pilot, you discover Martha Kent in the barn welding, and I learned to weld for for the pilot. And then really? we never shot that part. Yeah, it was only afterwards that I ever read about welding and found out how really dangerous it was. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh,
1: but I'm going to put, I have that on my resume, can weld. <laughs> Wasn't that uh, with Dean Kane? Yeah.
3: yeah, that was Dean.
1: Yeah, yeah Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher. Uh, yeah. it was it was really fun
3: so do
2: you but,
1: stay in contact with anybody from that show no not at all I haven't seen anybody from that show since that day um, I might have seen I don't know I, I know I went to Terry's uh, a shower maybe it was her baby shower and so maybe that was after we had finished shooting but she was, she was pregnant I guess as we finished those that last those last couple of shows, and so probably maybe that summer. I know I went with her to that, but no, you know everybody kind of, you know, we're all in love and we're all family, and then everybody goes off their different ways, which is you know the best kind of relationships. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wish my real family was like. That. <laughs> I know it. It enables you to have fond memories forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
3: Um, uh, you've also you've also done. A uh, ton of just awesome TV shows, sitcoms, and that throughout the years. And, um, you know, from One Day at a Time, Barney Miller, uh, All in the Family, which is one of my absolute favorites.
1: Yeah, all that All in the Family is a really famous show. And people still stop me, that particular episode. People stop me still, years later, about that about that show and say that that show changed their lives because of what they talked about in that show. And so it's, it's amazing what, what Norman did.
3: Yeah, and that, and that show, It honestly it still, if to air that show now would still be um, a very cutting edge
1: uh, and very current and very current yeah. because right. because it was it was divided right. Uh, me and yeah. and Archie had the two different points of view, and whoever watched it chose their point of view. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, uh, it didn't. I don't know how many people have actually offended because there were both sides there every time. It's uh it's funny. I uh I'm very not like Archie,
2: but I loved that character so much. Uh,
1: oh, it was a great character and Carol created so much of it. He, he stayed in character all, all the time at rehearsal. And at the first, at the first rehearsal, he came over to me because he already knew all of his lines. He came over to me and he said, now, I just want to tell you, I learn my lines right ahead of time. Cause that's how I work, but you do whatever you need to do. You know, and he was just, he was just so great. And this, you know, my first job out here was one day at a time. I had three episodes on one day at a time. And then I don't, I think that's all I did at that summer. And then I, I went back to New York and then I realized that I was trying to, to decide to move. And so I, I asked my daughters, you know, is it okay? You know, I know where you are in school. And they said, yeah, let's go have an adventure. And We came out and then I did Barney Miller. And I, then I started doing, you know, several things for, for Norman Lear. And um, it was just, it was such a, it was such a departure. You know, there's no nighttime television in New York. Uh, And so um, that, that first show, when I did One Day at a Time, I was just, you know, I was so intimidated by being in Hollywood, you know, and this was a show my daughters and I had watched in New York. We just thought that was just the best show ever. And look, there was Bonnie Franklin and there was Mackenzie and Valerie and so I was just sitting off to the side on the, you know, on the set, because um, you know you, when you go in as a guest, you know, there's a whole family there and you're this other person, you know, and so you don't want to go in, uh, Well, I don't want to go and put myself over there, you know, and play like I'm them, you know, because I'm not. So I was sitting on the side of McKenzie, who I believe was a Full 16 years old comes over to me while I'm sitting on the side and says, Hey, you know, come over here and sit with us. You know, welcome, blah, blah, blah. I just have never forgotten how kind that was.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. um So, yeah, you know, said there. You just to list off a few more, you know, you've got from All in the Family to the Rhoda, um, Knots Landing, New Heart. I love New Heart. That was one that I, I watched. A lot. (laughs) Yeah. Dallas, Quantum Leap, you know, uh, all of these just uh, so many very significant shows that you you were a guest role or, you know, you had a a few episodes on and that um, doing that many shows. Have you ever had a character that you played on there that you thought, man, I I really wish I, I had been able to run with that a little bit more? I could have done something else with or.
1: Just about every single time, you're an actor. Really? <laughs> I, I remember. I remember one one day I was going over the hill to Paramount. I was auditioning for for Cheers, and it was remember they had the other bartender coach, yeah, uh, the older guy who died ultimately, and then Woody Harrelson came in. But I was I was going to audition for the part of his girlfriend of Coach's girlfriend, and I'm okay. driving over the hill. And I'm already planning the spinoff for coach. <laughs> <and I. laughs> you have to think positively or you'll just be ground under because there's Point. so many rejections.
3: <laughs> oh, I, you know, and I asked that because I, I could see myself doing the same thing. So, yeah, yeah. that's.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's and I, you know, you just and then, you know, you have to come to a place where you, you do realize there are so many things involved in whether you're not, whether or not you get the job, you know, you need, let's pretend, you know, that you're just the best actor ever that existed. If you're not, you know, if you don't match the other people, if you're going to be in a family, you know, Mm -hmm. or you don't look the way they have in mind that this person is supposed to look. And, you know, there's just so many things that affect things and you just, you know, it's hard not to take it personally because the, the, the product you're selling is you, as you know, as comedians, <laughs> you know, Hey, you know, they, I guess. They, oh, and Oh, this is a wonderful story. So when I was still in New York, I, I did a pilot. I, they flew me out. to. I, well, he asked me, he said, you know, blah, blah, blah. And go out to to LA to test for this pilot. And I'm like, well, no, I have kids here. I can't go out to LA. And he said, how are you going to be a big star if you don't go out to LA? And I'm like, what time? <laughs> <laughs> So I came out and I did that pilot and then I'm like, well, I don't even know what you would do because, you know, if you get it, you know, then you shoot it, but then who knows how long you'll be picked up for. So you can't just move your whole family and come out here. And it's like, I don't know, you know, it's a big deal. And so then, so it's, you know, it's not, you don't find out right away. And so I remember finally he called and he said, well, they picked it up but they don't want you. (laughs) And I said, well, what happened? And he said, I guess they didn't like you. (laughs) Oh, my God, it was so painful. It was so painful. (laughs) But I learned then, you know, my agent is not my therapist. You know, he's supposed to arrange auditions for me, arrange for me and negotiate for me. He doesn't have to be my therapist. And I never put myself in that position again.
3: That, that is that, you know, some of the criticisms are hard not to take personal because some of the, some of them are very personal. Like when, you know, you're just told, like, you just don't have the like the right look. We don't like, we just don't like you. Like that's hard to not take a little bit personal.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because you, there are so many things at play. For instance, he could have, there's so many things he might've said but for instance, another pilot I was, I was replaced on, uh, <laughs> I did this pilot and I thought that these other actors were just, <laughs> that I was the only real actor there. <laughs> and then they replaced me. And then I saw the show and I realized, I was doing Medea, and they were doing a sitcom. No one had ever talked to me about tone. If the director had just come over and said, hey, it's a comedy, you know, don't do take this serious. <laughs> like I absolutely could have adjusted, but nobody ever told me that. And so if somebody would actually give you, if, if somebody had criticism, I mean, I found out years later that the reason I got replaced in the first pilot that I'm talking about is that they had wanted somebody else initially and she had been tied up. And by the time the show went, she was available and they took her. You know, that would have made me feel a lot better. And I, first of all, was so green in the business. I just didn't know that ever happened to anybody. I was just sure my career was over. They found out I didn't know how to do anything, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs)
3: So, was there a gig that you got um, specifically that you just thought, like, "Holy crap! Like, I, I, I made it! Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a legit." Uh, I kid. think,
1: I think, um, no, but yes. In other words, whatever <laughs> it was that I did where I got my equity card, I got my SAG card pretty early because, in fact. When I did that show in Texas, years before I ever knew I was going to get to New York or even knew about the union, you know, it was just, they're picking it up. It's a non-union town. I did that. But when I got to New York and I started doing commercials and I wasn't in the union yet, when I did get uh, a commercial and I called the union to join, they said, oh, we already have you. You've already done your first job. And I'm like, I didn't even know, you know, that you can do one job without being in the union and then you're called. SAG-E, SAG-eligible. And so, um, but but to me, because I come from a background of theater, the thing that made me legitimate was when I when I got my equity card. And I can't remember on what it was that I got my equity card, but that was just really important. But I don't think, I mean, I'm sure you would think, well, let's see, let's see. Well, when I got Joe, which is the first film I did, do you know about that film?
3: That's... um. With Peter Boyle. okay, yeah, yeah, Frank. <laughs> yes, right. I, I, I always know him as, I love the, everybody loves Raymond. I do so. too, who
1: doesn't <laughs> love that show? But when I got Joe, which I, you know, I got this audition, they said, you know, to go to wherever. And, and I guess, and I looked at the script and the script looked like like a couple of commercials. That's about how long the stuff was that I got to do. And so I went in at like 10 o'clock or whatever time I had the audition and there were just floor to floor actors every place. They were on the floor, they were all over the place. And I looked at it and I said, well, I can't. And this was, this was a film that I'd never heard of with nobody in it, that nothing. And I said, well, I can't stay here. I have, I have three kids to support and I have auditions for commercials. And so I just left. And so at the end of the day, I thought, well, I'll just drop by there and see if anybody's still there. And I went in. There was like one actor left. And I went in and I auditioned with John Avildsen, and I got the part. And still, it was like, whatever. And it still looked like a couple of 60-second commercials to me. And so I did it. And then I forgot about it. It was this you know, film that, well, well first of all, then uh, my agent called and she said, you got it. It pays $500 for the week. uh, It pays $500 for the week. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I got off the phone and an actor friend of mine was there. And I said, I thought movies paid more than that. And he said, well, you should call say. So I called SAG, and they wouldn't tell me anything until they gave me the lawyer and blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, what is it? And I told them, and they said, well, it's actually $500 a week. Oh, and there was supposed to be another week of rehearsal, which was for free. And he said, well, it pays $500 for shooting and $500 for the week of rehearsal. But he said, they're not not signed to the union right now. And so I'm like, oh, God, you know, this is just so disappointing. And he said, well, don't, don't panic yet. He said, you know, we're working with them. You know, maybe it'll become a union shot. And so I called the agent and I said, you know, I, I'm sorry. You know, I can't do this. It's my union. It's my livelihood. And the the agent said, well, I don't want to say anything because we have to protect our franchise. But. You can always use a little bit of film in your pocket. And I said, well, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And so then I got this phone call from this guy um, whose name escapes me right. Dennis Patrick. No, not Dennis, because he was in it, whoever it was. And he said, hi, I'm the producer. And um, you're not going to be as as good as anyone else because you're not going to be able to rehearse. uh, But we're glad you're going to do the film. (laughs) so i did the film and i didn't know then what i know now if i was if i was me i would have said i'll rehearse for free i don't care everybody else rehearsed for free but i'm the one who got the new york times review so na 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 on them (laughs) (laughs) but the thing was when you saw the film what looked to me like A couple of 60 second commercials, when those are cut through the film, you have a presence in the film. I didn't understand anything about that. But I did think because I got those, I got those reviews. And although it didn't make me a star, it put me in the system that that things were going to be like that from then on, which of course they aren't. You don't go in a trajectory. You know, you go up for a while and then you go down, then you go down, you go down, you go down, and you go down, and then you go up for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't ever say you made it. You just say, oh my God, thank God I got a job. That's the whole, I always laugh when people uh, interview actors and say, what made you decide to take that role? It was a job for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So that was uh, Susan Sarandon's debut as well.
1: It was Susan's and Peter's in my first film. Uh, That's awesome. and, and then years later, because I didn't work any scenes with, in any scenes with Susan, but I was at an event where Susan was, and I went over and I said, hi, and she said, I think I know you. <laughs> <laughs> and I should play her mother. We look alike. We both have those big eyes.
3: <laughs> oh, I could definitely see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So now, more recently, you've done the the Knives Out movie, which... Now, talk about a gift, yes. ...just been awesome. Now, they're doing a sequel for that,
1: too, correct? Well, they have many sequels to it, but they're only with Daniel, because they're with that character, yep. you know? Um, yeah. Uh, but that was really uh, amazing to get to work with all those people. Can you imagine?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, just a stellar cast with that.
1: And they were so good, you know, and the film... The film, first of all, I don't know whether you've seen any of Ryan Johnson's other films, Looper, and I can't remember the other names right now, but they're all problem-solving films, and they're all really one different to the other what was interesting and worked so well in this, and it just must've been a wrinkle in the universe because these actors are very disparate. They're not alike at all. And from all different kinds of places and they all managed to come and find just the right tone to play that material. You know, it was, it was just great. I mean, they, they were wonderful. Ryan was wonderful. He writes, he's a really wonderful writer, clever
3: yeah, no, that uh, I've seen that the brick that he's known for. Yes,
1: yes, that brick. was
3: a good. Yep. Yeah. yeah, is yeah, and, and
1: which one? Cool. Neither one of those. Maybe Looper. One of the ones. Uh, oh my gosh, let's see if I can remember the names. Um, Bruce Willis was Bruce Willis in either of those films.
3: Yeah, he was in the in Looper. It was him and... that the, was Looper. Uh, yes, the three and, named three Gordon named Leavitt. David Leavitt. Gordon
1: Jenkins yep. Levitt Levitt. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> Wasn't that an interesting concept and and executed beautifully?
3: Oh yeah. No, that 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 was a really a really interesting one too.
1: Yeah.
2: It, now, as somebody that's put out books and everything. Um, when you're dealing with a script that doesn't have the best writing to it, how do you deal with that? or are, are you uh, do you put in your input, or do you just kind of bite your lip on it?
1: And- I'm not high enough on the totem pole to put in my input, no. and <laughs> and, uh, and I haven't really been in a film necessarily that I thought you know the writing sucked at all. But I do remember once doing a play here that was not so hot, but I had the most okay. wonderful director. Alan Miller is just the most wonderful director. And, and I had like a bunch of monologues, I think that I had to do to the, you know, out front to the audience. And he said, just think of something really interesting and play that in your mind when you say the words. And it's just interesting. The audience gets what's in your brain and they may not know Well, for instance, one time I had an audition where I had to cry because of my boyfriend left me or something. And I I just couldn't get myself to cry with that scenario. But I thought about it and I thought, well, I'll just make it be my kids, something about my kids. And I went in there and I did it and I cried and they said, that was so good, but it seemed more like about your kids and your boyfriend. Could you do that again? And it's like if, if something's in your mind, it, it, it is translated. That's what the resonance is. And so you can be doing something and the audience may or may not get it, but it is compelling and it makes them watch you, even whether those lines were the best in the world or not. Um, what,
2: what, uh, what was your first play?
1: Gee, that I don't think I know. <laughs> <laughs> we get that a lot from our guests. Actually. Yeah. Well, you know, it was in New York and it's not like, it's not like it was on Broadway, but I'll tell you a good Broadway story. So I came out that summer. I got one day at a time. I got those three episodes and then I, I, I was just crying a lot. I didn't know why I was crying a lot. And I went to, I went back, you know, got on the plane, came back to New York early. And I was coming in on the carry bus to the city. And all of a sudden, my brain went, oh, you were trying to figure out to move there. That's what was going on. So, okay. So, as I said, I talked to my kids. We decided to move. Uh, we were moving on October 1, I guess, is what we did. We, I, came, I went back to L.A. over Labor Day, found a place to live, came back. We started packing, making plans to leave. And so my agent sent me on an audition for a Broadway show, which I had never done Broadway. And I got it. Wow. And, and I'm like, I've already rented a place in L.A. My kids have stayed out of school because they're going to go to school in L.A., oh my God, what am I going to do? And so I was going to the shrink at the time. And she says, well, find out if they'll pay enough money for you to go and get settled and then come back and do the thing, which is a terrible idea. That was just the worst. I couldn't leave my kids out here by themselves. They weren't that old. But anyway, they wouldn't go for it. So I didn't do it. So I came. I came on to LA and I got Barney Miller and I got all the Norman stuff. And all these years I was thinking, but I was on a Broadway, being a Broadway show, and I had my shot. And I never ever did I check to see what happened to that play. I couldn't even remember the name of it. But I remembered that Hans Conried and Molly Pacone were in it. And so I went into IBDB, you know, the Broadway database, and I pulled up the play and it closed in one night. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the best <laughs> but you know who was in it when I looked at um oh let's see she was the mother on uh, on two and a half men Oh, yeah. oh uh,
3: I always forget her name but I
1: love her I really know her um, Eve-
3: Eve- Eve- yeah she plays Evelyn on the- Holland
1: Holland Taylor Holland Taylor. Yeah. Holland, too. Holland was in it, and when I looked at the, you know, at who ended up being in it, that was one of Holland's first things. But anyway, it was just that's that, that's my my broad-foot shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
3: great. so. How does the um, the nerves in that compare for you to do things like theater versus doing um, sitcom or doing shooting for a film?
1: It's all different. Uh, I mean, it depends on what you have to do in it and how long it's been since your last work. I did a play here, uh, I guess it's four years ago now, a two character play, uh, that was, I think I just was like, am I going to remember all those lines? I had to work so hard on those lines because a lot of them were similar. And then, um, a couple of months ago, three or four months ago, we did a film of that movie, which was wonderful. Uh, and so I don't know. You know, it, de- it just depends. Uh, it depends on what you have to do. I remember I was working on an episode of Nip Tuck, a really wonderful episode of Nip Tuck. And I played this woman whose husband had Alzheimer's and only remembered me as a younger person. And I go into uh, whoever it was, uh, terrible that I don't remember the name right now, and said, you know, can you make me look like this? And it was a very emotional scene. And I had to cry. And I, and I had done everything gorgeously in the audition and it was the first, my first day on set. They should, you know, John Wayne had it written into his contract that on his first day on the set, he had no lines because everybody's really nervous and uptight on the first day because it's a whole new thing. You don't know what's going to happen. It all happens on a cellular level. You know, your brain can think, oh, I'm fine about this, but you know, the cells are not there yet. And so I went in and we started the scene and I did the scene and it was fine, but it wasn't what it could be. And the tears were not there. And the director was trying to be really nice. Okay, we got that now. Let's just do one. This one's for fun for you. And I, I know what she's doing. I'm not crying. Everybody's waiting for me to cry. And so then, <laughs> thankfully, the second, the first AD said, "What? Well, why don't we go ahead and break for lunch?" And I'm like, "Thank you, God. Thank you so much." I went back to my room. I thought about everything bad that ever happened to me. The longer I was there, the more I relaxed. It was wonderful. I, I came back to the set and with every step closer to the set, I just began tightening up more and more and more. So I'm sitting across the table, the, the desk from my co-star, from the star, and I'm, and, and I'm really, I'm gonna say, just before they, they say action, I'm gonna say, what, could everybody just say a prayer that I can, that I can cry?
4: Because
1: <laughs> everybody's waiting for me to cry. And it's just, oh my God. But what I did was I just took a breath and I looked at the my the star of the show and I just looked at him and I said, I'm so afraid that I'm not going to be able to cry. And by just making that contact with him, everything worked. So it's whatever you can do. There's a famous story about Barbara Streisand and the way we were. And she, um, the AD came to, the director whose name escapes me at the moment and said, uh, she's afraid she's not going to be able to cry. She wants tears. It was going to be shot, you know, next week. And he said, she's not going to need tears. Don't even worry about it. So now it's the day that they're shooting and they're in Central Park and the AD comes over and he says, uh, she still wants the tears. And he said, is everything set up? And he said, yes. He said, where is she? She's over there. Okay. I'm going to go over there. And when I wave my hand, that'll be action and he just went over and he put his arms around her and she started crying because she relaxed and it all worked but you know it's it's whatever you can think of and do you know in the moment sometimes it all works so easy and then other other times you know it's you're a human being what can you do yeah that
2: I just have to think about all the nice things my dad said to me growing
1: up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. There's, it's all those nice things that make me cry. And people, why are you crying? I don't know. I just need to cry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, real quick, before we get off here for the day, uh, do you? Also, we need. We have need to talk for? about.
1: We need to talk about the Superman convention. Okay. Yeah. 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 That and uh, also before I forget. Yeah. Because I will forget to ask
2: you, do you have a date for your book?
1: Oh, gosh, you need to say, when are you going to finish it, Kay? And then everybody else <laughs> can get on it. Uh, I would think that I, I really thought I could, well, maybe October, maybe October, about October. Okay. Okay. And this right. is for this is for the new edition of How to Sell Yourself as an Actor. And then after that, I'm doing new editions of both the New York agent book and the L.A. agent book. Okay. Oh, yeah, cool. keep
2: us posted on that and because uh, we'd like to have you back and talk about it when you get the new book out.
1: There. Great. I'd love to do that. And you keep me posted on when you're going to get in, finally get to L.A. And, and be down there in Disneyland.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll go, we'll go <laughs> hit a
1: roller coaster together. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm dying to see the Avengers campus. Surely you've read about that.
3: Oh, just, I want to see yeah. that so bad. Yeah.
1: Well, when you get down there, I'll come meet you. We'll all go together.
3: Oh, that'd awesome, be awesome.
1: Awesome. So the so, Superman convention. Yes. Yeah, this
3: is something I would go to. Yeah,
1: Dean. This is you could get Dean's money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Take my money now. <laughs> well, it's so exciting. Here I am, Superman's mom, and I'm just now getting to Metropolis. <laughs> Isn't that the most fun that there really is a metropolis? And I went online and I looked at their website and there's like, you know, the Metropolis Museum and and all kinds of really cool oh, things yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: pretty cool. I
2: haven't been, I have not been there yet, but so, uh, where is this? Somebody told me Indiana,
1: Illinois,
3: Illinois,
2: Illinois. Okay. Illinois. Yeah. You
1: have to fly into Paducah, Kentucky, and then, uh, and then I think it's only a hop, skip, and a jump to uh, to Metropolis. Ooh,
4: what is the Minnesota. name of that
1: town again in Kentucky? Paducah. Oh, Paducah. Paducah, <laughs> Paducah. Paducah which looks kind of cool itself. At one point, my son who lives in Pittsburgh was like, "Hey, mom, I'll come meet you, and I'll go." and And he hadn't really researched the flights because no one goes to Paducah, and uh, <laughs> and I I have to fly to Chicago and then get a plane from Chicago to Paducah, which is I think it's an hour. I think it's an hour flight, and then it's like four hours from here to Chicago. But my son, who is in Pittsburgh, it was going to be a day for him to get there. And he's working and doesn't have very much time. And then ultimately, I kept saying, well, are we going to do this or are we not? And he was like, I really didn't check this out first. And so anyway, uh, we'd fly into Paducah. And at that point, when he was going to meet me there, I was like, well, we can meet you know three days early in Paducah and do, do the town. <laughs> <laughs> And there were some fun things to do in Paducah. But, but, but I am, in fact, just going right on to Metropolis. So what is
2: uh, going to be taking place at the convention?
1: Well, I just, I, it's, it's all singing, all dancing Superman, right? And Lauren Tom is there and then other people who've had things to do with Superman. And so uh, as I look at my schedule, you know, I arrive and then I go over there and I guess I'm introduced and blah, blah. And then there's sessions for autographs and picture taking. You know, people can come up and take pictures with me and so forth and also with Lauren and other people who are there. And then, you know, there's various things uh, like that to do. Um, and I, it was supposed to happen last year, but of course, because of the pandemic, it didn't. And I wrote and asked them, you know, what's the situation there, you know, with the pandemic and are people wearing masks? People aren't going to want to take pictures with masks on and so forth. But I'm fully vaccinated and I'm not particularly worried about it. I tend to wear three masks on the plane, which I just did when I went to Texas. I, I had my N95 and then a regular mask and then one of those shields over that um so what is the date on that uh it's well today is what wednesday so i i fly tomorrow so it's friday and saturday and then i come back home sunday so it's just uh in about 15 minutes okay i'm really looking Mm -hmm. forward to it i've never been to a superman centered thing before uh you uh-huh. know so uh so, so you've never surely, done any the- surely they'll be interested in talking to me dean and terry aren't there what are they gonna do
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so you haven't done any of the uh the comic cons ever
1: I, I i did one about a couple of years ago where uh the person who booked me said you why don't you come here and see what it's like and then I got there and it had been supposed to be one kind of themed thing. And then at the last minute, it was another themed thing. And it was like, it was fun to do, but not very much happened. And uh, so this will be my first, you know, experience where people are really there to see people like me. Yeah. very cool. Very cool. cool. Hopefully
2: uh, you get a great turnout and it's an awesome time for you.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I'm looking forward to it. It's always fun to meet fans. And, and, you know, fans of whether it's Lois and Clark, I was at the Geffen Theater in LA one night a few years ago, and someone came up and called me by my character name from Quantum Leap. <laughs> really? fans, fans are just the best. You know, it's just <laughs> really so fun. It's really fun. Um, do you have a way for people to
2: contact you or keep in? an eye on what you have coming out. Do you do social media
1: or anything like that? I, I have a Facebook page. I also have a website, kcallen.com. I don't go there very often, but I have you know pictures and stuff and there's links to my work. You know, so you can see that, although it, it's terrible. I didn't put on there that I was going to Metropolis, but I did put it on my Facebook page. <laughs> I have two Facebook pages. First of all, my name, as you know, is just the letter K, Callen, No period no A-Y. So years ago when I went to Facebook and I wrote in K space Callan, they would not take that. No, we won't (laughs) take that. I tried space space. No, they won't take it. I'm not going to put a period. I'm not going to put an A-Y. My name is K. So on my Facebook page, I'm K no period Callan spelled out.
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's the greatest. And
1: then and then when they and but there's mostly my friends on that page are really my friends or people who are in show business. But but so when I did um I did something that was virtual and, you know in the pandemic some one of those things and they wanted me to do a big push on Facebook. And I was like, I don't want to go and tell my showbiz friends, my fellow actors, hey, you know, do this because this is what I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. So I put in, I tried to do another Facebook page. I thought, well, it's later in history now. Maybe they'll take Kay Callen. No. So I have another Facebook page where I will, you know, hustle things like that. And for people who are actually not my friends, that is Kay Callen, the first name, and Kay Callen, the second name. (laughs) (laughs) so anyway any of those places and and on on those places i do say what i'm doing or if i've just seen some fabulous movie or some wonderful play and i think everybody should see it and by the way do you all have hulu yes Yes. have you seen this this film that i'm going to tell you about to me was the best film of the year whether it was domestic or international it was a film from tunisia and it's called the man who sold his skin have you heard of it no, no. Don't read about it. Don't read about it. Just watch it, and then and then write me and tell me what you thought. Okay, All yeah, right. I'll, I'll uh, check it out. Yeah, and don't don't read, don't read because it, it always messes me. You don't have to worry about, about that. About Kay. I'm yeah. <laughs> Can't read, no problem. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll tell you what—we've had more actors than authors on the podcast because I'm not a strong reader.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do have something coming up though. Uh, I don't know when, but I did an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine that when that that
4: show when that new
1: when that new season starts, I think it's episode eight. And and as I understood it, um, during the during the Olympics, they were going to premiere the show or start talking about it. Although it's, it's too bad the ratings are so bad for the olympics but still better than they've been for a while but anyway so i do have that coming up i totally forgot i had something happening
2: yeah we'll keep an eye on uh on that for sure
3: we both like that show it's a great
1: Yeah, those guys
3: are just the best Uh, though
2: it's just
1: just such a a fun watch (laughs) yeah yeah they're hilarious so Anyway, this All has right, been Katie, so much um, fun meeting you guys and talking to you. And I I'll, hope you get out here pretty soon and really, absolutely sincerely stay in touch.
2: Yeah, no, oh, we've had a blast with on. you. Yeah, you've been a great guest. We, we really appreciate your time. But we hope that you travel safe and uh, you have a great weekend out there.
1: Good thank, good luck you so yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, I can hardly wait. Thank you again. All right. Thank All right. You, you take Katie. care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.